Good morning, uh, gentlemen. Uh, we are at the worldwide headquarters of uh, C Spire. Uh, I'm not in Fairhope this morning, uh, but I'm home. Uh, home in our uh, C Spire uh, training room. And uh, it's uh, um, me, Jeff Cook, and Jeff Stout uh, in the room. Uh, and uh, Joe um, is on remote uh, work duty. So he's not able uh, to be with us and um, be the MC. So again, as, as we all are doing, we continue to adapt uh, and adjust. But uh, I'm glad that uh, you're tuned in uh, by remote and uh, trust that uh, God will use this time in your life. Um, again, you know, the, the whole process that we're going through with this uh, virus plague uh, is what I call it. I mean, it's truly a plague. Um, you know, is, is, is forcing us all to adjust and, and adapt. And, um, as I, as I stand here, um, in this comfortable spot, uh, which we've done for, uh, going on 13 years, um, I think that what I'm looking at right now is the mortified thought that I've had many, many times of walking in and Chick-fil-A has canceled breakfast. And this is what the room would look like. <laughs> no Chick-fil-A biscuits. Word got out. We tried to keep it a secret. And nobody showed up. Uh, I've actually had that crazy thought. So I'm glad uh, that uh, the empty room is not about uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, but truly is about this crazy uh, uh, plague. But uh, I trust that you've printed off your notes. Uh, you are uh, locked in and uh, ready um, to hear from God this morning. Um, glad you're here. Let me pray for us. Father, we bow our heads um, uh, in this room uh, and distant um, all of uh, our brothers and friends and um, those that... Uh, are here to hear from you. Um, Father, I, I ask um, that you would uh, um, smooth off the rough edges uh, of my cold, dead heart. I pray, Lord, that, that, that you would break the hardness in my own heart um, this morning, um, that you would give us all uh, ears to hear, uh, especially me. I pray that you would speak to me in a way that somehow would have a wake effect on um, others um, that are listening in. Uh, I want to hear your voice. Um, I want to be different uh, when we end our time uh, together uh, this morning. Do your work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um. This morning, um, as is uh, typical, uh, I have a song uh, for you, and uh, my goodness, um, couldn't we all just listen uh, to Lauren Daigle? Um, and again, if you're not familiar with Lauren Daigle, um, she's powerful, powerful young lady from Louisiana, and uh, a song um, that I want to offer you this morning that fits into this whole wilderness um, uh, topic that we've been working through is come alive, uh, dry bones, and I, and I want to just uh, read to you um, 
just a, a few of the lines just to get you tuned in and, and then we'll um, enjoy Lauren Daigle. Come alive, dry bones. And this is out of the passage in Ezekiel uh, uh, where Ezekiel walks into the dry, um, valley, the wilderness of dry bones and God breathes on the dry bones and they come alive. It's a powerful picture um, of God's intervention um, in the lives of those who are suffering. The words to this song are hauntingly relevant and powerful. Listen to this. Through the eyes of men, it seems, there's so much we've lost. As we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked one by one, the enemy has whispered lies and led them off as slaves. It's like in this whole, even as we look toward April the 30th, you know, down 30 days from now, what's it going to be like? And we're all dealing with the uncertainty um, of this virus plague. But we know that you are God. Yours is the victory. We know there is more to come that we may not yet see. So with the faith, You've given us, we'll step into the valley unafraid. Yay. As we call out to dry bones, come alive, come alive. We call out to dead parts, come alive, come alive. Up out of the ashes, let us see an army rise. We call out to dry bones, come alive. Will you hear the voice of God, Lauren Daigle, come alive, dry bones. But we know that you are God, yours is the victory And we know there is more to come that we may not yet see So with the faith you've given us, we'll step into the valley unafraid yeah. As we call out to dry bones, come alive, come alive And we call out to dead hearts, come alive, come alive Up out of the ashes, let us soon be rise Oh, we call out to dry bones, come alive Oh God of endless mercy, God of unrelenting love Come rescue every daughter, bring us back the wayward sons 
And by your spirit, breathe upon them Show the world that you alone can save Oh, you alone can save As we go out to drive on Come alive by the breath of God. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We continue in this um, uncanny, uh, timely topic of into the wilderness. And um, we're living... In a time that nobody, nobody in our lifetime that's living has experienced anything quite like this. I mean, I have a, a father who's 92 who uh, went through World War II and certainly uh, grandparents who went through the Depression and there's lots of hardship and uh, difficulties. And, you know, in most recent days, we've experienced uh, Katrina and 9-11 and uh, all kinds of challenging days, but these are unique. 
in their own ways into the wilderness. So follow with me on your outline, if you have that printed out, um, and let's read our introductory paragraph. Into the wilderness, understanding and embracing the dark times of the plague of 2020 of your life. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. Wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in the wilderness seasons of our lives. So important that we anchor ourselves in that, that God is in this. The only question is, do we have eyes to see in order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust Him? He must present us with a moment of crisis, and since He wants us to seek help from Him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. I mean, can you get your hands around the idea that for us, as men who call us Jesus followers, uh, God believers, that somehow this plague is nothing more than an invitation from God for us to renew uh, and to refresh, to reboot our relationship with Him. I believe that. I believe that is a lot about what this is about. I don't believe it's punishment. Um, I'm not smart enough, theologically grounded enough, or uh, 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 right-wing conservative to believe that. I'm not going to draw that kind of conclusion. All I know is, is that all through God's church, when we went, when the church goes through difficult times, it gets stronger. This, this is an opportunity for you and I to come out stronger. He must present us with a moment of crisis. And since he wants us to seek help from him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. When we're all in a wilderness season, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, in preparation. We might even wonder, how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus. He went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God. If that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, we can trust Him in our own wilderness seasons. Let's journey together. So this morning, um, we're looking at um, a phrase that is found in Deuteronomy, and the phrase is, it is your life. It is your life. It's the words that God spoke to Moses. It is your life. And we're going to kind of tease that out uh, this morning. So before we do that, let's go to work. I have three questions for you. Pick up your pen. I want you to deliberately... Work with this uh, on your notes and your journal. Uh, engage deliberately and intentionally. First question, what are you doing to take care of you and yours during this worldwide crisis? It's so important that we can answer that question <laughs> uh, with concrete examples. I mean, what are you doing? Well, I'm not doing much of anything. I'm just waiting for it to end. Um, dude, 
That is called dying. You're dying. Um, it's like this is an invitation. This is an opportunity to grow. It's all about growth. Um, last Friday, uh, our guys in um, uh, Fairhope, um, five or see, six of us got together around a fire pit uh, at 6.30 last Friday morning. Uh, Philip Greer is a, a great guy. He uh, is a dentist. He owns uh, and runs Sweetwater Dentistry uh, in Fairhope. And behind his office is Sweetwater Creek. And the creek is about that wide. Uh, and it's a beautiful little stream. It's about a foot deep, if that. And it's just this idyllic stream that comes down through the woods behind his office. And Philip has built a, a bridge over the stream, uh, a little deck, like a stage for music, fire pit. And six of us spread out, and we were about 12 to 15 feet apart. So we were well distanced. There was plenty of places. And um, I, I won't name names, but, of course, I'm sitting on the deck. Philip is over here on the other end of the deck. And one of the guys uh, just seated over to my left, he said this, and it scared me for him. I love him. Uh, he's, he's grown so much since I met him. And he said this, he said, you know, uh, I'm so glad to be here because I haven't opened my Bible, I haven't journaled since January, and I've just been trying to survive this whole plague thing, working, working from home, it's crazy, and I haven't really tapped into my relationship with God at all. And I'm telling you, I, I felt in my body at that moment fear for my brother that I love. It's, I'm thinking, dude, dude, you cannot afford to do that. These are dangerous days. What are you doing to care for yourself and care for those around you? It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like when you're on the airplane and, you know, the uh, stewards are or doing that whole thing about, you know, how to get out of a, a flight. It's like, dude, if this plane goes down, I'm going to die. I'm going to be in heaven. You know, this is like, really, is this relevant? And, you know, I don't know anybody that, you know, did all those things when the plane went down. Um, but maybe, maybe that would be helpful if I listened better. But it's like, you know, like when they get to that part where they're talking about, uh, you know, the oxygen mass uh, drops down, what do they tell you to do? First thing they tell you to do is put it over your face before you start helping all the kids or grandma or whoever, whoever it is. And it's like in, in this time of um, wilderness that we're all going through, this time of virus plague challenge, you got to take care of you. Make sure you're taking care of you um, and then do what you need to do to take care of your family and those around you deliberately and intentionally call that out, name that. Question number two, what's challenging about being at home? Oh, nothing. I'm cool. Dude, if you give that answer to that question, you're like the frog in the pot, you know? You're just being cooked slowly because this is challenging times for all of us. Nobody, nobody is not feeling the stress of this. It's real. Um, I'm, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. 
And, uh, dude, if this is like hard because I love planning. I'm always looking at it the next uh, deer camp weekend, uh, fish camp weekend, our summer trip, uh, whatever it is. And it's like, man, you throw the calendar away right now because we don't know what's going to be going on. And it's just a hard time. Need to be aware of that. Need to acknowledge that. A problem, an issue that is unacknowledged, then will oftentimes uh, be attempted uh, to be cared for by addiction. Because unacknowledged issues will oftentimes find themselves being treated by unconscious acting out in addiction. That's what makes addiction addiction. It's, it's the underlying feelings and experiences that are not being addressed in this illusion of control that we give to ourselves. How are you experiencing these difficult times? What's challenging? And then finally, third question, who do you know that's in the wilderness now? <laughs> and again, as we've talked the last several weeks, welcome. We're all in this together. And um, again, don't underestimate how you could be of help uh, to somebody. Um, we're all in the wilderness right now. So it is your life. It is your life. Look over at Deuteronomy chapter 32, um, 44 through 47. Um, the children of Israel are getting ready uh, to cross the Jordan. Um, they're coming to the end of their 40 years in the wilderness. And, and God is working through Moses still to prepare them, even though Moses is not going to get to journey over the Jordan River. Joshua will lead them. But God says this to him, and, and this is right after God has given Moses the song. Now, several weeks ago, we looked at Exodus chapter 15, and that was the first song that God taught his people um, after they had crossed the Red Sea. And that was the beginning of hymnology, uh, if you will. And so Exodus 15 details this song of victory. And as we talked then, the Red Sea was to the Old Testament um, um, children of Israel as the resurrection is to us. They kept talking about the Red Sea, the Red Sea, the Red Sea, the Red Sea, just as we talk about the resurrection. Easter's coming up. Easter's going to be very different this year all across the world, but it's the resurrection. And so Exodus 15 is a song that God gave the children to sing their first song. Deuteronomy 32 is the second song, and it is an invitation song. It's a song that is very odd, um, and we'll look at that in just a minute. But look at what God says to Moses after God gives him this song. Verse 44 Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua, son of Nun. When Moses had finished saying all these words to all Israel, he said, 
heart all these words to which I give witness today. And command your children to put them into practice. Every single word of this revelation. Yes, this is no small matter for you. It's your life. It's your life. It's your life. How could this song, the words of this song, be your life? In keeping this in long life in this land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. There's not any of us that don't have favorite songs um, that remind us of significant times in our life. I mean, you know, you're driving down the road, uh, running, exercising, and this, ro- this song comes up on the playlist, whatever that song is, and it just takes you back. You remember. And that's what Moses is being invited into, that this is your life. And so what I would, what I would say, when we are talking about life, the Bible is very clear that life is about music. Um, I sit um, with a couple that I love dearly. And uh, as is typical, uh, the husband uh, had really stepped on wife's toes, really hurt her. And uh, he, he did not hear the music in her life. He was so task-driven at that moment. He's a great guy. Great guy. Loves the Lord. Loves his wife. But at that moment, as we all can, he, he got way out ahead of himself and did not hear her music, he simply wanted the task done, whatever the task was that he was addressing. He forgot to listen to the music of her life. I invited her to have three songs that she would play for him, that those three songs would somehow address to him what she's feeling. You know, it's kind of an abstract sort of assignment, um, but man, she didn't miss a beat. She, she was on it. She, she understood what I was saying. And, it, and it's like we've got to listen to music, music. What is the playlist that you're listening to? The children of Israel are getting ready to move into a whole new life. The wilderness is coming to an end as this wilderness will come to an end for us. And what will prepare us for better days ahead is music, like the Lauren Daigle song or others, listening to the music. Now, the song that God teaches the children of Israel is a strange, strange song because the song details how the children of Israel in the wilderness did not listen to the voice of God. They tested God, and God is going to open up the banquet table to a whole nother group of people. This is no longer going to be some sort of narrow invitation, but it's going to be the doors wide open, everybody come. Now listen to just a portion of this song. I mean, almost all of 32 is the song, but I want to read to you verses 19 through 25. 
and see if you can see who God is opening up the invitation to. Verse 19, Deuteronomy 32, God saw it and spun around, angered and hurt by his sons and daughters. He said, from now on, I'm looking the other way. Wait and see what happens to them. Oh, they're a turned around, upside down generation. Who knows what they'll do from one moment to the next. They've gorded me with their no gods, infuriated me with their hot air gods. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Here's the invitation. Here's the whole paradigm shift. I'm going to goad them with a no people, with a hollow nation incense them. It's like kind of these people that they've looked down on, they're now going to be invited into the banquet. It's like we would never have that person, those people at our banquet. And God's saying, you know, because you guys have been such lousy followers, I'm going to invite others. Now, let me try to put this in context for you. This would be like a bunch of Mississippi State fans being taught to sing Hotty Toddy. Now, <laughs> now, that would be painful. Or we could say, you know, it would be like a bunch of old Miss fans being alerted that the Bulldog, Bulldog Nation is going to be invited to the party and they're all going to have to stand up and sing Hell to State. That's what he's saying. And, of course, we know this to be the Gentiles. My anger started a fire, a wildlife burning deep down in Sheol, then shooting up and devouring the earth and its crops, setting all the mountains from bottom to top on fire. I'll pile uh, catastrophes on them. I'll shoot my arrows at them. Starvation, blistering heat, killing disease. I'll send snarling wild animals to attack them from the forest and venomous creatures to strike from the dust, killing in the streets. Terror in the houses, young men and virgins alike struck down, and yes, breastfeeding babies and gray-haired old men. Now, guys, this is a strange hymn. Standing up in church on Sunday morning and not talking about how good things are, but singing a hymn um, that talks about how our fathers and our grandfathers turned their back on God. That's what God is teaching Moses so that they won't forget how they handle the wilderness so poorly. You know, when this whole virus plague ends, don't you want to be able to say, I'm closer with God than I've ever been? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be tragic that we all get through this and, you know, even of some sort of miraculous uh, uh, cure is found by the end of April. And we just go back to life as normal. And we missed it. We missed it. There is purpose and intentionality on God's part. And so much of it will do with allowing the music of God, His music, to penetrate 
our cold, dead hearts, dry bones being breathed on in God. Look over at Romans chapter 10, because the Apostle Paul knows this passage. It's interesting because in Romans 10, he just draws reference to this. Romans 10, verse 18. But haven't there been plenty of opportunities for Israel to listen and understand what's going on? He's drawing attention to Israel as as an example to kind of get us on track, relevant for us today. Plenty, I'd say. Preachers' voices have gone around the world, their message to earth's seven seas. So the big question is, why didn't Israel understand that she had no corner on this message? Moses had it right when he predicted Now listen to this, when you see God reach out to those you consider your inferiors, outsiders, again, um, Gentiles to the Jewish nation, you'll become insanely jealous when you see God reach out to people you think are religiously stupid, you'll throw temper tantrums. It's like God takes the humble of the world to confound the wise. Isaiah dared to speak out these words of God, people found and welcomed me who never so much as looked for me, and I found and welcomed people who had never even asked about me. Gentiles being invited to the party. Then he capped it with a damning indictment. Day after day, I beckoned Israel with open arms and got nothing for my trouble but cold shoulders and icy stares. Wow, wouldn't it be tragic that that's what somehow God would be saying about us at the end of this virus plague? We have a great opportunity. And again, it's life and death. This is life and death. This is real. I mean, again, it really is life and death. Every day, there's a little more Um, awareness of just how severe this worldwide plague is. But what God is saying to Moses is that the music and his word is life. If we don't hear the music of God, and if we neglect his word, we're not feeding from his word. We're, we're not taking comfort in his word, the living and active word. Then we've missed it. Psalm 33, turn over to that with me. Psalm 33, it's like our physical life depends on it. All things fit together in God. Good people cheer God. Right living people sound best when praising Use guitars to reinforce your hallelujahs. Play his praise on a grand piano. Compose your own new song to him. Give him a trumpet fanfare. And again, I would just say journal. Journal. Compose your own new song. For God's word is solid to the core. Everything he makes is sound inside and out. He loves it when everything fits. When his world is in plumb line true, Earth is drenched in God's affectionate satisfaction. The skies were made by God's command. He breathed the word and the stars popped out. He scooped sea into his jug. 
put ocean in his keg. And then he kind of comes to this crescendo. Earth creatures bow before God. World dwellers down on your knees. Here's why. He spoke, and there it was, in place the moment he said so. Our comfort is in God and his word. It's life and death. It's life and death. I want to show you a clip out of the Band of Brothers again. We've kind of been using uh, the Band of Brothers uh, series um, as our case study. I mean, those guys were truly heroes. They were uh, in a wilderness. They were fighting, uh, fighting different than the way we're fighting now. But it was life and death. This is a clip about death, about death, people dying. And if we're not listening to the music and anchored in God's word, we'll experience death in a severe way. Watch this. Doc, it's going to get busy, pal. Hold your fire, boys. Don't let them draw you out. Hold your fire! Stay ready, boys. What the hell? We got to hit those things. Stay ready! Hold your fire. Get ready, Walter! I got it. I'm keeping it for you. Smoke. I'll feel my legs, dude. Take it easy. My fox will get the plasma now. Come on. Hey, hey, 
Come on, Wilson. Come on, buddy. Hurry, Doc. Come on, Doc. I gotta get back to the line. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Standing on my hand. Sorry, Doc. Look, I'll get you another purple heart for it. Hey! Haunting scene. Are you all right? Eugene? Eugene? Are you all right? Tragedy of war. Tragedy of the wilderness. What's going to get us through? Why was God giving Moses those words? It is your life as they were headed across the Jordan River. He was preparing them to face what was ahead. They'd been through much. And what he's saying was, is the music that you listen to and the word that you obey and live by is your life. Can't afford to not be listening to the music of God. What do you hear? Someone told me uh, just this week that John Eldridge posted a, a blog and was talking about one of the ways that's so critical to get through the wilderness is to see the beauty of God. And beauty is a synonym or a metaphor for worship. It's like, do we see the beauty of God? Do we hear the voice of God? Do we see God all around us? Do we see his beauty? And if we can't worship and we can't hear music during these days, we will move into trauma-based survival and our bodies will start to shut down. Dry bones come alive by the breath of God, the beauty of God. His word, can't afford not to be reading his word right now, being nurtured by it, journaling and reading his word. 
I'm not going to have time to go through all the scripture that's on the on, on the page here. But if you just spent the next week going through all that we've given you in, in this handout, it'll be a great resource. Just turn over to Deuteronomy, back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and, and listen once again to what God says to Moses about the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8, keep and live out the entire commandment that I'm commanding you today so that you'll live and prosper and enter and own the land that God promised your ancestors. Remember, remember, remember every road that God led you on for those 40 years in the wilderness, pushing you to your limits, testing you so that you would know what you were made of, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He put you through hard times. He put you through hard times. He made you go hungry. Then he fed you with manna, something neither you nor your parents knew anything about. So you would learn that men and women don't live by bread only. We live by every word that comes from God's mouth. Your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister those 40 years. You learn deep in your heart that God disciplines you in the same way a father disciplines his child. Guys, this whole virus plague, in some sense, is about you and I being invited into a deeper, more intimate connection with God. Do you feel his breath? Do you hear his voice? Not unless you're listening to music and not unless you're reading his word. Not going to happen. Last week, I covered six guidelines to get through the wilderness. And I just wanted to highlight them again as, as we kind of conclude today. Uh, on your handout there, uh, those of you that got it printed out, you know, you'll see that the blanks are kind of filled in. But just to keep these in mind, good reminder, even as we close today's session. First of all, you got to stop the negative energy. Stop complaining. Get your children, your grandchildren around the table and say, you know, we're going to get through this. But the blaming, the negative energy, you got to stop that. People are scared. There's uncertainty, but that negative energy is the opposite of faith. It's not trust. Practice gratitude um, and worship. And one of, the, one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture, and I just quickly want to, want to read that, is um, Habakkuk uh, chapter 3. I love this passage, and um, I believe that, it, that in many ways... It's exactly what God's up to. And ironically, this is a song. This is a prayer put to music. Verse 17 of Habakkuk chapter 3. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns empty, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning the cartwheels of joy to my Savior God, counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm king of the mountain during 
hard times. Worship and being grateful is important. Avoid addiction. You got to guard really hard. It's so easy to drift into addictive behavior uh, and seek false comfort. Keep moving forward. Believe that we're headed uh, to the promised land, that things will be better. Uh, This is not the rest of our lives. Stay connected to those uh, that you know. And again, connection uh, is, is having to be done creatively. Uh, through video, um, just the phone. And remember, God's in this. He is your life. God is in this. Hear the music of God. Eat from His Word. Ezekiel said it was like honey to the taste. May you continue through the wilderness better days are ahead. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for our time, uh, even in the means that we spend time together. Thank you for my brothers, all of those that are listening and watching, and keep us safe, Lord. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week. See you next week.